I'm Terry Taylor, and this is the Interior Design Business Academy podcast. As an interior designer, you may be thinking, I love what I do, but I am so overworked and underpaid. Let me tell you, I've been there too. I spent many years learning from my own mistakes and developing proven strategies and systems to make interior design a profitable career while keeping it fun and creative. So now I'm here to help you get paid what you're worth. If you're ready for some straight talk about how design business really works and you're ready to break through old belief systems that are holding you back and shift into beliefs that support your goals and bring lasting success, you are in the right place. Throwing out design fee numbers to a potential client without thinking about it can get you in all kinds of trouble. That is a place where designers could get in in just huge difficulty because of not taking the time to think about what they're saying or what it means or knowing enough about the project um, in terms of time and the consideration of what it would take to do it in order to to be able to say a number like that. Now, the question is, why? (laughs) What does that happen? What does that happen? Well, you know, if you answer your own phone, often a new client will call and you could be driving, you could be, you could be sitting at the kids soccer game, you could be, you know, in the middle of a, of a, of a project in your studio in the middle of creative time. You're not prepared to deal with it. So, you know, so having a system in front of you where clients have to book a call to get a discovery. In other words, have an appointment for a discovery call does a couple of things. It gives you the space to um, be in the right place in your head to talk to somebody about a potential project. Um, it's a place where, you know, you can <laughs> be calm, be settled, and be ready to talk about this stuff. It, it, it's, it gives you the space to be able to, to do that. It also values your time to that potential customer. Because if you're on call at any moment just to jump out and say, sure, I'll do that. That's what it would cost. You know, their expectation is you're going to run a job that way too. And that's what you don't want to happen. Okay. So this needs to start from the very beginning. This, this, this separation, so to speak, and respect for your time and putting you in a position where you have time to figure out what, what that number should be. So, you know, jumping on a call that just comes in when you're not looking for it, you know, and suddenly you're on a discovery call because somebody just called in and, you know, made you available or you made yourself available and you throw out a number for whatever they're talking about, $1,500, sure, I could do that, that sounds easy, Um, or or four bucks a square foot and I could do the finishes and new construction, okay? Those are kind of basic numbers, but, but they don't take into consideration anything about the scope of the job or what you're going to have to do or how long it's going to take to do it. Now, the question would be, why is that happening? Well, A, you're, you're off balance because you took a call without knowing it was going to be there. Had you had it as an appointment, you could put yourself in the right mind frame and have your questionnaire ready and some notes you could take and, and actually think about how you wanted to proceed through this. But the, the second part is, is sometimes we get in a place, and, and I've been there too, where 
where there's a big space in our schedule. We don't, we don't have any clients for a while. And instead of backing off and enjoying that space is, oh, I got a little breather. I can catch up and some stuff in my office. I can spend more time with my family or relationships. You know, I got a little bit of space in there. We get in a panic and think we're going to be a bag lady. And I'll tell you, I've been there, you know, might be a Hermes bag, but still was worried about being a bag lady because suddenly there were no jobs coming in. But you know what? It gave us the time to settle. It gave us the time to get ready, to get the studio cleaned out and get ready to go again. Was the business always there? Of course it is. Of course it is. If you, if you're, you know, has it ever not been there? It's going to be there, right? So we have to be careful that we don't drop into this, this mindset of scarcity because the mindset of scarcity causes you to make knee-jerk numbers like, sure, I can do that for $1,500 because you're trying to fill a space. But what happens is you're pulling in a job that actually costs you more to do than it did than you're getting in the front end. It's not moving you forward. Okay. So, so, you know, sometimes we feel like throwing out a number instantly will make us sound very confident and control and, and okay, of course we can do that. Well, okay, maybe it does, but you end up cutting off your nose in order to do it. And, you know, that's not, that's not where you want to go. That's not where you want to be at all. Okay. So, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to fight that feeling of scarcity because it will affect everything you do. I uh, know that it also, when you're feeling scarce, when you're feeling the money's tight and you're worried about where the next thing's coming from, that scarcity mindset will start reflecting also on your pricing of products and you'll start reducing your markups on products. Just, oh, I only need to take 4,000 on that. You know, oh, I only need a little bit on that. Thinking that, that your scarcity mindset is, is going to bleed out into your client over there who isn't in that place at all isn't in that place at all. So we got to really watch out for that. And these these opening calls often trigger that in us, okay? So we want to watch out for that and make sure that we're not responding out of scarcity um, or or trying to, you know, trying to fill a gap or just a knee-jerk reaction, trying to sound like we're in control when we're really not. We're really causing this big problem for ourselves. Now, you know, the problem is that guessing, throw, just throwing out a number doesn't work, okay? I teach a lot of designers how to be fee-based and be really, really profitably fee-based. I mean, that's what we're all about here. That's my, that's my jam, right? Um, but what happens when, when you just knee-jerk and throw out a number? You cut off your nose. Um, if you think about it, there actually isn't really a job you could do for $1,500. So here's the problem. $1,500 is not enough to complete this project. It isn't enough to complete any project. Think of it this way. $1,500 at $150 an hour buys you 10 hours a time. That's, that's what you got to be able to do this in. And you've got to go to the house the first time and do all your measures and photography and some more, some more programming stuff to really find out what she wants, right? So there's another two, there's two hours there, a little drive time included in that. And then at the end, you've got to present it, okay, and go through that side. So there's two hours there. That's four hours out of your 10 just to begin with. That only leaves you with six to be able to do this job. Okay. To be able to do all the research, select everything and create the presentation and go. Okay. Now, if you're good, you probably could pull that together. However, 
if you didn't do it perfectly or she wants to change something or something isn't quite right and you have to go back and do it again, you just cause that loop to come all over again. So you got the time to do that. You got to present it again. You probably took your time down to $75 an hour. And if, if two meet, if that extra meeting doesn't work and you've got to do another one, just another revision as well. Um, because, you know, we write these things in my world. We write these things with up to, th- up to two revisions. Okay. If you've got to go back and do that, you've got to plan that. And if you did that again against that, that little bit of time you have, now you're down to 37.50 an hour. Okay. This is not where you want to be. Okay. You're actually working backwards. You're, you're causing yourself just busy work, right? And it's just because this idea of jumping out and throwing out a fee and, and not being very sure of how you'd actually figure it out in the, in the first place. I, I think I real, I realize that happens too, but you know, that's, that's pretty solvable. The, the thing here is not to knee jerk because you're feeling needy. Okay. So, so think about how that works in, in that sequence, you know, and, you know, sometimes we'll throw out that number just because this woman's talking about like there's more work there. And if she likes us, there's more stuff we can do. You got to watch out for that. Um, uh, developers and contractors will do that to you too. You know, try, trying to get you to make a good deal because they, they want to hang a carrot out that there's more there. Well, the, the carrot isn't in your lap. It's just a carrot. So, and you've got to hold your ground. The, the problem with responding to something like that with a, with a very inexpensive offer to get in the door, so to speak, because that's really what it's about, is that if there's more there and they want you to do it, they're going to want you to do it at the same rate you did the first one or even cheaper, even cheaper. Okay. And that, <laughs> you know, you go in the wrong direction. No, no big job is worth it if it's not going to pay you well. Okay. So, so we've got to, to, to get through the scarcity piece of that. Now, let's talk about the problem with this by the square foot. I have a lot of people who come to me that, well, well can't we figure this out by the square foot? Well, th- that's better than just guessing. Okay. <laughs> it's better than it's guessing, but it's not taking into consideration the fact that projects are different. And say four bucks a foot to do finishes on a spec house for a builder would probably be adequate if and only if it was um, what I used to call vanilla with a little sauce on it. That means that in my world, that meant that we were going to use pretty much one flooring or maybe two floorings through the whole piece. We were going to use one cabinet style that would be in, in all the areas. We'd have maybe two solid surface tops that we could use, maybe one in the kitchen, one that ended up in the bathrooms. Um, and we'd do a couple of, you know, a, you know, a simple lighting package, and we would do a couple of sauce on tops, like like a little detail on the fireplace to make it special, or a, a, a little slick little tile detail in the master bath. You know, that's the sauce on top. That sort of thing, you could go for four bucks a foot. But think about this. What if the project is far more custom? What if we're talking about six bathrooms and four of them are four kids and each one wants their own thing. That means a new cabinet, a new tile selection, a new tile elevation, uh, new different plumbing, everything totally different in each one because they each have their own personalities and been told they could do their own thing. And besides that, then we have, then we have a front kitchen and perhaps a back kitchen or a big butler's pantry that has to be designed. <laughs> you know, this goes on and on outdoor kitchen. 
You know, all of that stuff lands in our lap. And if we don't know it ahead of time, we're at risk, really at risk of stepping into a job where it's way bigger than we had, had, you know, wanted to do, you know, wanted, thought it was, right? Not that we don't want to do it, love to do it, right? Don't want to do it for free. Don't want to do it for thirty-seven fifty an hour, you know, or even worse in a case like that, because there's so much there. So, you know, what has to happen there is you have to take a little more time to figure out what that job is and if that, that by the foot number actually fits or not. Now, one of the things I want to point out is that, you know, builders and developers like numbers by the foot. That's how they price. Okay. But it isn't a really good pricing model for us because it doesn't take into consideration what we have to do. So in, in that standpoint, what we need to do is figure out really what's there, you know, and what it's going to take in terms of time to get through all that and do all those meetings with that client and hold their hand for that long and then extrapolate it out into a by the square foot price that the builder couldn't see and use. Okay. So it's a case of, of using that square footage number as a, as a way of selling the job to, to builders and developers. They, that's how they want to see it. I mean, that's how we used to sell models um, based on a square footage, you know, furnishings done by the square foot. Um, but we had a really good idea because we had all that experience of what it took to, to actually create and furnish a house at that level for that amount of money per square foot. Okay. So it didn't come from the square footage number. It came from actually figuring it out and then creating the square footage. Now, one of the other, kind of the biggest thing, I think, with, with throwing out that square footage number in a construction project would be that it doesn't accommodate the upsells into furniture, okay? If you've got a big house and you're doing all the finishes, there is no reason in the world why you don't end up with all the furnishings and interior design. I mean, you've got to talk about it. You've got to figure out what it's going to be before you could actually build the backgrounds for it. So, so, you know, to miss out on that part because you're on a square footage basis is really, is really terrible, right? You don't, don't want to do that. And often what happens then is that, that the, the money that was perhaps set aside for furnishings, because they do want that. They want the whole package. All right. They may not be saying it right in the beginning. They don't know that, that we could encompass it all. They don't know that we need to know that to start with. Right. But we need to, we need that. We know that. So, you know, having that piece included in your original offer is really important because mostly what happens when you, when you just contract uh, for finishes is that the furnishing piece is there. You're talking about it. But as we go along, um, the, the construction overages start go showing up. Okay. And they start sucking up whatever was set aside for furnishings. So it ends up not happening because it waited too late in the job to actually address it and get into it. Uh, there is a way we, you know, and we teach this. Obviously we, te- we teach this stuff is, is how, how you actually ask enough questions in the beginning to get into this, into this, um, job deep enough to know what's there so that you can make an offer on all the parts. And all the parts don't have to happen now, but the fact that they're out there and setting out there in the future and that you have this all organized and under control is what it is the confidence piece that your client wants to see. That's what sells the job. 
Okay. Not this quick piece down and dirty. Of course, I could do this, but actually taking the time to look at all of it and look at all of the situation there. You know, one of the things that, that we work on marketing all the time in the very, very beginning is what is the problem you're solving for your client? And this is a situation in a discovery call where you really need to get into it and figure out what the problem really is. You know, in that, in that little $1,500 offer, we have no idea what the rest of the stuff is and whether it makes sense to do it that way or not. And in that new build, we have no idea what we're stepping into. Um, and so the answer to that, the, you know, the, the direction you need to go, quite frankly, is, is, is more on the side of making an offer for a first appointment. Okay. Now that would be a, a paid appointment. If this was coming in off the internet, right, or house or something like that, you don't know them. Um, quite frankly, sometimes designers are afraid to sell a paid first appointment. They think they should be free. I will tell you that if somebody's not willing to pay you three or four hundred dollars to come out and start their job and do a working appointment, they're not a client. It's not going to go any further. <laughs> it's just not there. Okay. If, if, you know, somebody who wants you to work for free is going to be like that through the whole job, right? And you don't want that. You simply don't want it. It's not useful for your business and it's not part of your practice. Now, there are first appointments that come through referrals, like a referral from your favorite architect or your favorite contractor. Um, and if it's his client coming in, then that's not a paid first appointment. That's more of a job interview. Okay, because you're the one recommended. All you got to do is scoop it up. So there's absolutely no reason in the world to make a knee-jerk offer in a discovery call. Okay, you set up the appointment and then go sit down and talk to them and create a relationship. Find out what they want. Find out what the problem really is. Because the finishes for the builder, so he doesn't get behind and having all those done on time and the decisions made, is only the first problem. Okay. It's the immediate one that's in their face. All right. The whole, the whole piece is, is actually a problem to be solved that you could solve. And if you take the time to get into it, then you can have the benefit of having that whole job. Okay. You know, when you, when you're talking to somebody, uh, like a referral from a builder, um, and you want to sit down with them and, and talk about things. You need to ask questions about where they're going with this and how they're going to live in it. And are they, is their furniture coming or are they doing this or what, you know, what do they want? You need to have the builder's allowances. Okay. This is something that you really ought to have uh, before you, you write a contract, before you make an offer to do this. Because what you need to know is based on what they're telling you they want. Are those kind of numbers for those finishes in that builder's quote? Very often they're not. And if they're not, then you need to go a different direction. You need to figure that out first and be paid for it. Okay. So what I'm, what I'm encouraging you here to do is to, is to slow it down a little bit, <laughs> slow it down because, you know, in this, in this builder piece, once you had those answers, you could write a letter of agreement that had um, lots of chunks in it of, of things that need to be solved. Like, like, you, you know, the first hunk is just meetings with the architect and the builder and the, and the owner and some drawing, right? Some space plans probably to make sure that this is going to work the way they want and millwork drawings and reflected ceiling plans. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's front end stuff that needs to be done that, that has a price to it. 
Okay. And then there's all the finish selections. Okay. When you map out all those finish selections, which by the way, should be done all together on a schedule, um, piece after piece. So the whole thing is complete before the builder ever, ever, ever ask you for, for, you know, valves for the bathroom. Okay. Way before that, it needs to all be there. Okay. And it needs to all be priced. Essentially, you need to know that your selection is within the budget that's set out or that your client's paying the extra. That whole thing has to be worked out in the beginning. Otherwise, you get caught in that loop of doing things over and over. You do all these selections, absolutely gorgeous. You know, the builder starts pricing it out as he needs it instead of up front. And, and then the pricing overages start up and the client starts freaking out going, Oh, we can't do that. We can't. This is over. That's over. You know, that's not the time to be doing it. And what happens usually is it turns around, flips over and lands in your lap. Okay. And then you end up doing it over. So, you know, you're four bucks a foot down to about 50 cents a foot when you get into these patterns. So, you know, that stuff needs to be there. Construction support needs to be there. The interior design package, interior design furnishing package needs to be there. You know, that is an additional cost. Um, and when you get all of those pieces together, it makes a huge difference in, in how, how your fee comes out in the end and the happiness of the client experience through this whole thing and the happiness of the clients and the, and the job when it's finished and your happiness because you got paid for it. Okay. And while these create these big numbers to begin with, which I will admit are scary to present, you know, I personally sit down with, with our designers in our program and figure out, um, on these big jobs, what the fee should be and get it all blocked out. So we know that we're, that we're right on on every one of those. And we've written a really good letter of agreement that's very clear and very businesslike and very precise and says exactly what we're doing because it creates great confidence in the client and allows them to understand why this project is going to cost um, $87,000 to you to get it, to get it beautiful and right instead of four bucks a foot. Okay. And they can be perfectly happy. They'll be thrilled, absolutely thrilled. You'll be thrilled because you're actually going to get paid. So taking a look at this, it can shift, it can shift the bottom line enormously. You know, we have systems and sequences here and, and the individual support, um, to show you how to go from taking a $1,500 throwout fee that you're going to get in terrible trouble to, to a $4,500 fee with a $30,000 budget, which is where that job should be. Okay. And it's not hard to do. You just need to know how to say it and how to progress through it to make it happen. I mean, we, sh we, we figure out these big construction jobs. You know, we go from that $4 a foot fee to uh, an $87,000 fee, you know, with a $300,000 furniture budget behind it. That's a nice job. And it's very, very likely <laughs> that that original request that was coming from that new build that you were willing to throw out that four bucks a foot for just to grab it because you were feeling hungry um, could actually be a much, much bigger piece for you and be all set up and you knowing that you had the income flowing, you had the income coming, and it was all set for you. Okay? So, <laughs> don't knee-jerk, don't knee-jerk prices on a discovery appointment, okay? Give yourself some space. Set up a system whereby people have to make an appointment with you to have a discovery call, 
Okay, you could do it with your VA, could do it. You could do it online with a sign-up form. Um, if somebody calls, you could do it the same way and send them the sign-up form to do the discovery call. Don't be, don't be needy and feel like you have to address it right then and there when you're not ready because you don't do a good job. You're going to do a way better job when you're ready and, and able and focused on this. Okay. Number two, discovery calls aren't for quoting prices. Okay. If somebody, if somebody asks you what you charge and you tell them, you tell them $1,500, they're going to somebody else and see what they say. And, you know, you don't want to be shopped. Okay. Like you're, like you're a box of soap on the shelf, right? That's not, that's not the object of a discovery call. The discovery call is for you to find out what this person wants, what's going on and set up a first appointment paid. If it's not, if it's coming off the internet and you don't know them or, or a job interview, essentially, if it's, if it's a warm referral from one of your favorite referral partners. Okay. When you give yourself enough space to step in, you're going to appear to your client far more professional because you're not just throwing stuff off the top of your head. You're going to be much more polished, much more professional. They're going to have much more confidence in you and you will end up with the being paid in the job the way you're supposed to because you're valuable, you know? <laughs> so until next time, design something beautiful and get paid what you're worth. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Interior Design Business Podcast. If you love what you're learning, head over to interiordesignbusinessacademy.com and book a clarity call. This is the perfect way to chat with one of our coaches about where you are in your business and what your next best step needs to be to make your design business profitable and enjoyable. As always, you can head over to interiordesignbusinessacademy.com to check out the links and resources from this episode. So until next week, design something beautiful and get paid what you're worth.